up, guys? This is Gabe. And this is Matt. And this is the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And uh, today we are getting into The Bitter Truth by, <laughs> by Evanescence. <laughs> I and, uh, don't we are, know we are, what we've just done. Uh, I don't know. Something about Sensitive and Fred Durst. And I, I don't even know. Like I, I honestly don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> it came from a dark place, apparently. We're, we're recording this kind of late, so I think this is just... We shouldn't do this again. Probably, probably <laughs> not. Um, uh, well, as I mentioned, we're getting into uh, the bitter truth by Evanescence. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and uh, break break down kind of like your first impressions on this? Yeah, one. no, absolutely. Um, so really, right out the gate is this is both what I expected from Evanescence, kind of being a uh, little bit more of a veteran band, being a band that's been around for as long as they have, but also in a way not quite what I expected. Um, and I'll kind of, one of the first points I want to make is when you look at bands that are typically fronted by a female, um, and the female front woman, or um, I should clarify the front woman is even remotely talented at singing is what ends up kind of happening is the band ends up really sitting behind the vocalists. And then everything else is just kind of a, a backing track. If you will, um, you can kind of see this with Paramore. You see this happen within this moment, um, and to an extent hailstorm. So it really takes a back seat and you really hear a lot more of the, the vocalists take the forefront um, and it becomes a little bit of a poppier style, but at least with this is I definitely notice it's a little bit more of the raw side that you don't get a lot with those other types of bands. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I thought this album was really boring, to be completely honest. And, and I agree, like it, it really felt like it was just the Amy Lee show and the band was kind of backing her and that kind of has been the way that Evanescence always has been. That's fair, um, yeah. And so like she obviously like after 20 years she's still the vocal powerhouse that she was way back when. Um, But it just, it really never let the band shine. And I feel like there was potential there, but Mm -hmm. it just like, it never would get there. So one of the things, and I do have to agree that it's not really, they do sound like a very generic rock band. Um, And I'd want to say this not as a bad thing, but the instrumentals, the first thing I thought of was the song breathe again by pop evil is that song, when compared to this Evanescence record, looks at like a very technical song. Um, and just how the that especially that opening riff just has a lot more kind of bite to it and just has a little bit more movement in the riff. So that's kind of the first thing I thought of um instrumentally. And like I said, I'm not I'm not putting this at like the top of any sort of, you know, gr- best instrumental of 2021 kind of thing. I gotta disagree with you on the drums. Um now, I t- now just to give a little bit of my background, um, I used to play drums for a band called the Deadbeat Hymns here local in Arizona, uh, and uh, I by no means was I an amazing drummer. I, it mm-hmm. was punk, so it's loud and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't been behind a kit in probably about three years now. Okay, I felt like if you gave me about three hours, I could play any of these songs on the record. Like it just it felt boring. I felt like they made them hold back way too much okay and that they're just it wasn't really adding like it it was just there as kind of background noise to go along with the rest of the rock theme okay um behind the the amy lee project okay and so i i I just like i said previously this is just a very boring record for me okay um what was your uh just musical impressions overall like from beginning to end how did you feel about the album i actually quite enjoyed it i i definitely listening through it and, you know, really with, you know, and again, it, it's kind of the, the Amy Lee project, as you kind of called it. But 
even as that is I found it to be an enjoyable rec- listen. And even if I were only listening to just Amy Lee and not listening to any of the instrumentals, as I found it to be enjoyable to listen to and even just have playing as I was working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as I mentioned, like I just the instrumentals really weren't there for me. Amy Lee obviously has just such a powerful voice, mm-hmm. and it is very prevalent throughout the entire record, as expected. Yeah, um, she is an extremely talented person. I'm personally not a fan of like female fronted bands, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and that, that's just really a personal thing. It has absolutely nothing against what they do and and how how successful they are. And I, I genuinely wish that there were more in uh, the rock and metal genres, just for the fact that. Uh, it's kind of too saturated of a pool for male vocals and yeah. female vocals do provide a, a different element of it. And I feel like that's something that is missing here in the genre. Yeah. Um, but with this, it just, it doesn't, doesn't really catch my attention personally. Okay. And um, I feel like what was done in this record isn't anything different from them. What was done in previous records that I've heard from them. Uh, Amy Lee still does the the same. Like she has a very distinct like uh, where she harmonizes with herself in songs mm-hmm. and does it like a fifth above. So it has this very interesting uh, sound vocally and and how that works. And it's it just it's kind of very when you hear it you think of Amy Lee. Yeah. And you hear that and you hear her her very um not bassy voice but it's very bassy for a female vocal. Yeah. Um. It, it's a very deep and hollowing sound and it, it is a very cool sound for sure. Um. But yeah, it, it just it didn't really stand out. Like there was, there wasn't any single track that stood out to me uh, as uh, above the rest mm-hmm. as a great song by any means or anything like that. Okay. So what were your thoughts on the lyrics then? Lyrically. So when I was doing the re- research into the, into the individual songs themselves, the um, recurring thing that I saw come up was that a lot of these songs were songs that were cut from previous records. Okay. Um, and that were, written years ago so the the, one of the things that struck me kind of just as interesting uh when i was doing my research is that this is only album number five they've been a band since 1995 they have been really quiet i think the last record came out in like 2013 2014 i think it was 2016 before that it was like 2010 2006 before that 2003 before that and then sometime in like the early 90s or mid 90s uh from, from their first record so I mean, for a tenure of 25 years as a band, or 26 now, um, that's not a lot of material. And to to have a new record calling back to songs that were written 10, 11 years ago, um, I I found that to be kind of interesting. And obviously, whenever you're writing, uh, whenever you're writing a record, you're writing about things that are usually going to be personal to you and or things that you're passionate about. Yeah. And in the interviews that uh, Amy Lee had done with Kerrang. She was talking about how she was in a different mindset 10 years ago when these songs were written, mm-hmm. when some of these songs were written, and that she has gotten over those feelings or she's been able to move past those, work through those personally, or uh, just in general doesn't feel that way anymore. And it just it struck me as kind of odd why you would then include that into a, a new record mm-hmm. that has this overarching theme uh, of The Bitter Truth, which we'll discuss here in a moment. Um, so I, I found that to be kind of odd in, yeah. in the whole regard of the album. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of where I was at lyrically. What about you? That, yeah, no. And honestly, that is really interesting. And one of the, and you know, and it very well could be part of, um, you know, some of my thoughts may kind of makes, makes a little bit of sense. Um, some of the lines that I did read 
uh, felt they were a little bit on the cheesy side. Um, and there were a couple that I actually noted here in my notes. Um, but there, there wasn't, it, nothing felt cringy. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't anything that I read where I just sat there and like Viva La Mexico from a day to remember <laughs> like that's, you know, as a callback to a previous episode, that was cringy. There's nothing that reached that sort of low on this record. Um, yeah, like lyrically, it wasn't bad by any means. No, it absolutely wasn't. Like I've seen worse, but I'm not gonna sit there and go and put this among my top lyricists and that have ever done it. Like it, it, it tells a story, it relays a feeling, and it's able to really paint the picture of what they're trying to tell. And there's one of the songs that it really the the picture was painted very clearly, mm-hmm. but. It's they they do that well, but they're not trying. They're not really sugarcoating it. Is they're kind of throwing it in your face, and it's very kind of minimal on the metaphorical side. Which song? Just because I'm curious. It was, um, take cover. Okay. Interesting. Um, so it's and I'll I'll kind of dig a little bit into yeah, that, and I'll I'll definitely actually also pull up the full um, lyric list and just kind of kind of walk through kind of the th- some of the things where I was just, I read it and even as I I was listening to it and reading the lyrics, I'm like, really? Like, is that that's really where we're going? Kind of mm-hmm. thing. I had the same thoughts on use my voice, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, as far as the artwork goes, um, so the the cover image is featuring Amy's uh, the lower half of Amy Lee's face uh, with a pill on her tongue. That pill has the X's in the eyes and like a, a mouth drawn on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the image was actually taken by her husband, whose uh, name I forgot to write down here. Um, what was your kind of uh, feeling on that? So the um, I I really didn't kind of put my thoughts on it um, until after listening to the record and actually writing down my. Um, kind of information related to what I thought about the lyrics and actually reading through. And one of the things I definitely noticed is there seems to be a fairly common theme throughout the record of pain. Um, So the two things that I was kind of thinking is the drug seems to imply either a willingness to take it in order to bury a pain or kind of um, to kind of be high to, uh, to get away from it. Or it's a metaphor to almost how willing we are um, to be distracted from things. So, you know, some people will go and they will take drugs just to try and, um, I guess, use it as a coping mechanism and try to shut everything out. And it, it almost felt like a little bit of that. And I got a little bit of that in the song wasted on you which actually does reference the bitter truth in the lyrics um and that's kind of one of the the reference points and there were a couple of other songs that very had a very painful aspect to it and it's kind of this dealing with pain coping with pain i i felt a lot of that throughout the record so that's why i was kind of thinking it's like it it implies some sort of drug use to either get away from it or you know just some, something there kind of um, was kind of the message I got mm-hmm. yeah so in reading the interviews that Amy Lee had done with uh, with Kerrang further um, she did go into a little bit more the, the image that it gave me was more of like the bitter pill um, mm-hmm. and the the phrase the bitter pill instead of the bitter truth yeah um, just based off of the image itself um, but the, like the, that concept kind of remains the same it's just I don't know. I guess it's kind of hard to portray the, it's the kind bitter of, truth. It's kind of like the pill. tough pill to swallow. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what she was saying is that, um, that like the, as you mentioned, the songs that there's a lot of coping with pain and moving forward with that is the, the fact that she, uh, th- this is more about 
the truth is going to hurt, but the truth is what we need in the long run. Yeah. And so it's bitter at the time. It's going to be rough. It's going to be a, a tough thing to swallow, mm-hmm. pun intended. And but at the same time, like it's what we need in order to move forward. We can't rely on lies and we can't rely on deceit in order to help us move forward. Um, and whether it, it's uh, just a humanity as a whole or whether it's individually, whether if we're going through uh, relationship problems, problems with work, th- those kind of things. Like mm-hmm. we have to be able to move forward, and in order to do that, we have to use truth and honesty. Yeah. Um. So that that was the the kind of idea behind it. I like the concept of the art. I don't know that it was properly portrayed in the way that she was describing it and how that she wanted it to come across. Mm-hmm. But overall, like I like the concept of it. Yeah. No, and I I can definitely agree with that. And I I think because you almost have to in order to fully understand the artwork is you kind of have to. You have to, you can't take it at face value as there is a little bit more you have to look into it. You do kind of have to listen to the songs there. You kind of have to hear her perspective on it. You can't really look at it and get the full picture um, is kind of what I definitely noticed. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, you know, some of the, um, the, the drug reference, I mean, just at face value is what I got initially looking. But once I actually listened to the record looked at the lyrics is that's how i was able to kind of put into words yeah what what i was kind of thinking um okay yeah so um let's go ahead and just jump into the uh the track by track then uh so first off the the album starts off with artifact slash the turn uh so this is basically kind of two songs put together mm-hmm. um that were just like two small verses leading into the the rest of the album how did you feel about this Matt? i thought it was actually kind of neat um, it, I definitely noticed how, how very much it was two different identities. Um, so the, the first is a very almost lullaby, but very eerie intro with a very soft vocal from Amy Lee. And I thought, then, I, I thought this was interesting just due to the fact that Artif- architects had it as well as love and death has it. Yep. And now this one has it. Yep. It's back to that. Trope. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the second inch, I, I, I kind of look at them as two separate intros. So I kind of call it like the first intro and the second intro. Mm. Um, and the second intro, it starts with this soft electronic element Um, And then what Amy does when she comes in is she kind of, as opposed to it being the very somber lullaby kind of vibe that she provided in the artifact piece of it, is the turn is she starts to kind of pick up some of the pace and you start to kind of feel like the, the weight is almost pulling you up. Um, and you're, it's kind of in anticipation for the rest of what the record's coming. Yeah, the the part that I like most about this is um, listening to it like with uh, noise cancellation and in stereo mm-hmm. is the uh, the electronic effects have this very like eerie warbling effect that was kind of going back and forth in between left and right okay. uh, channels, and it it was just really cool. I enjoyed that. I felt like it was a cool play on what they were doing, um, and then it leads us uh, like seamlessly into uh, broken pieces shine, which is going to be track two. Uh, I was really excited when this song started kicking in. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, this is going to be really cool. This is going to be really cool. This is going to be really cool. And then the song just straight up let me down the whole way through. Like I was I was anticipating the chaos and the fury that was going to come mm-hmm. just from that intro right there. And it just never got there. Okay. I definitely was feeling a little bit of that classic Evanescence. Um, it w- You definitely hear the... And it, it doesn't ever, this record never gets as heavy as some of the other bands we've reviewed, like Architects or Era, but it definitely comes into the, um, 
kind of heavy that you would expect from a band that would be played on a rock radio. Um, and the really the the driver I found was the drums and it wasn't I wouldn't say that they ever were super complex. It's they were it seemed like everything was just really quiet compared to the drums and it was just a very beating drum style as opposed to the, t the kind of a, a typical drum line that you would find where it's kind of just the you know riding on a cymbal with the snare is it felt a little bit more like they were using the toms and a little bit more bass mm -hmm. so that way it kind of helped really push the song um honestly guitar is very basic just kind of as i had explained in the beginning and i wouldn't the again the instrumentals never really do anything crazy in the song but i did kind of feel like this was um this was a pretty good song to start the record and just kind of the having it go and have the the build from the intro into this it w i thought was a pretty smooth move mm -hmm. yeah like the, the song itself was like it, it was a smooth transition from track one to track two and kind of just leading up into what the record's going to be like and so if you were to go in and just listen to the first two songs to determine what the record sounds like, mm -hmm. this does a very good job of that. Yeah. Um, there, there really aren't any surprises behind this album uh, moving forward into the rest of the album. There are songs that I do like better on the album overall than uh, than Broken Piece of Shine, but that's mm -hmm. just, it's not really a matter of them shining better uh, per that, se, but yeah. just a, a matter of me preferring the vocal melody more than that. That's fair. Um, stepping into The Game Is Over, how did you feel about that one? This one, so this is another one where I felt like the drums really took took the lead. Um, and unfortunately, as I was looking through, is the the song was very generic in the um, in the message, and it's basically someone lied. Now you're mad. Um, it's told pretty. It's elegantly done, or it's kind of elegantly told. But it's just been done so much before. Like I, it's I've seen it before. It's kind. It's one of those kind of themes that bands will use. Yeah, it, it was really putting the emphasis on just no longer having a facade and putting on a face for people. Yeah. And um, it, it was really kind of like the point where the the lyrically it just begins talking about those overarching themes of the bitter truth and, mm -hmm. and needing that uh, in order to to move forward, as she had discussed in in her uh, cover story with Kerrang. I was a bit surprised by the breakdown in it uh, that was kind of it was kind of a a, a pleasant surprise there were a and it was few moments on this record where like it actually felt like the the instrumentals were allowed to take off and kind of do a little bit of what they do mm -hmm. and those are the points of the record where i actually got excited okay because it, it felt like they weren't being held back anymore and like it, it started getting there and started getting there and then they were just forced back down again mm -hmm. uh, which is unfortunate and i'm not I'm not trying to say that like Amy's voice doesn't deserve to be the forefront, but I feel like it was a little too much in the front mm -hmm. um, that it really just didn't allow anything else to do anything. Right. It, it was just Amy Lee's voice and the music was back there to just help her more. Mm -hmm. And okay. and I feel like that works for like solo artists. Yeah. But when you're, when you're a band, you need to cohesively work as a band. And this didn't feel like it was cohesively working as a band. This just felt like, like the Amy Lee show, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, yeah. And I, I and you know, as as I kind of explained, is I feel like it is something that happens a lot with f female fronted bands, where the the front the lead singer who again would be female, 
is like they're a really talented vocalist and they have the ability to do these just crazy things with their voice is the band almost seems to just pull everything back to allow them Mm -hmm. to really shine. And while I respect it because it allows them to kind of take the front and be able to really show off what they can do is it does really hinder the remaining members of that group. Um, so I can definitely understand your uh, kind of concerns with it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's it seems like that's kind of what they're moving forward with. If they do decide to kind of s- allow the instrumentals to move forward and kind of be a little bit stronger, I think that would really be kind of a, a neat thing to do. Yeah, and, uh, like, that's not the case that we see with popular bands, like you mentioned earlier, with, like, Hailstorm in this moment, Paramore. Like, they're they're all really focused more on the female. But, like, there is bands that are out there that are female-fronted that do work cohesively as a band. Oh, yeah. So, like, I Wrestled a Bear once, or uh, now Spirit. Uh, Spirit Box. Spirit Box, yeah. excuse me, yeah. Um, both of those fronted by Courtney LaPlante. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this happening in Arch Enemy as well, like where it's actually just the band cohesively working together. Yes, they acknowledge that they have a female uh, a- as the, the front person for the band, but that isn't just their defining factor. Right. Like, they actually operate and work as a band. It's no longer using the using a woman as a almost just like a gimmick for it. Yeah. And um, I feel like that's especially in just rock and metal in general, like if you have a female in your band, that's almost a gimmick. And I, and that's one of the reasons that I prefer to see more of them in the genre is just the fact that we focus too much on the fact that they are female Mm -hmm. instead of the, the musical capability. And it becomes more about just who's in the band anymore instead of the actual content of it. Yeah. And I, and that's, I mean, a, a plague just as old as music can be, really. I mean, if it's got any sort of gimmick towards it, then that kind of makes it stand out. So I mean, we saw that with, like, Slipknot. We saw it with Behemoth. We saw it with Solid Ghost. Like, war. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, they have a gimmick, and so that's going to be what makes them stick out. And unfortunately, for a lot of these bands, that gimmick is having a female. And while a female is not a gimmick, that's just what it feels like yeah in in the genre unfortunately yeah and i i can definitely i can definitely see what you mean there um before we end up falling too far down this <laughs> rabbit hole let's dig into the next track called yeah right i can't figure out what it is about this song but the beginning in like the intro with the the kind of like synth uh bouncing really quickly mm-hmm. back and forth and the, the melody line that any league sings feels super familiar and there's a couple times on this record where it does that where it almost feels like it's from another song Mm -hmm. but i can't place it for the life of me so i so when i kind of explain that this record is what i expected but also not is i was actually initially coming into it expecting a lot more of the style of this song Mm -hmm. um but i'm glad that they didn't let it come off come straight out the gate because it would have probably it would have set the wrong expectation for the record. Um, I would like I said I was really expecting a little bit more of that kind of synth kind of bouncy um, vibe. I was, but them waiting till song four, very very nice having having kind of pushed it back. Um, yeah, I actually groove with this song um, fairly well. Like when yeah. that just it's super catchy right there in the beginning, and then the uh, the chorus brings in and. It's pretty clear that the song's talking about the music industry, and it was confirmed yeah. by Amy Lee in a tweet to another fan. Um, but also, this is one of those songs where she wrote it years ago, and mm-hmm. it was meant to be on another record, but 
they just decided that it wasn't going to be on record. Yeah. And, and this this is actually one I was kind of surprised that there was the solo here and it was actually kind of a nice surprise. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything big and flashy, but it it was a nice flavor that they kind of sprinkled into the song and I think that kind of helped separate this one from the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the um uh, another thing that uh, Amy had mentioned in her interviews and just in general whenever they were announcing the album back mm-hmm. late last year or early last year is um the fact that they were going to be returning to the rock roots and so this is one of those times where like a band says oh yeah we're going to be returning to our roots and i feel like they actually return to their roots mm-hmm. cuz like this is the stuff that i would expect to hear on older older evanescence like right, back in 2003 yeah. off of uh bring me to life and and my immortal and those kind of songs like it actually felt like they were the old evanescence again and then they were still incorporating some of the newer stuff that they had done mm-hmm. but it wasn't all the new stuff. And then a little bit like they threw in a, a riff here and there. Right. It's like these, uh, these bands that are like, they were came out of metal core. They got big and popular. They go and do arena rock and they say, Oh, we're going to return to our roots. And then they throw in a scream or two and call it good. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually really respected that out of them just from what they were saying whenever they were uh, beginning to announce this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, no, and I, this one was kind of a fun one, and I, I like the the way that she had kind of sang the the melody and mm-hmm. just how, how her voice sounded, so well done there. Definitely. Um, following up is Feeding the Dark, and this is, I was getting a lot of the Bring Me to Life vibes from the vocals in during those choruses because of the way that Amy sings it in that very soft style. Um, it, is it just felt that it was just that familiarity that was mm-hmm. nice to have. Yeah, this song showcases her just incredible range. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no doubt that Amy Lee is like one of the big like forefront singers uh, mm-hmm. in rock and metal. And this is just an, another song to prove her capabilities again. Yeah. Um, anybody who says that Amy Lee is not talented or can't sing or anything like that is absolutely wrong. And you should just shun them forever. Cause <laughs> <laughs> they clearly don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. She, she is an extremely talented vocalist and this song ex- it just does an exceptional job of showcasing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I, one of the things I, I did note here is I, I said that the, the chorus works, but it doesn't. And it, I think it's, if I, if I can remember this correctly, is it because it almost seemed like a very stark difference in mm-hmm. it, I can't I can't quite put my finger on they, it. So another thing that I do appreciate about this album is the fact that she explored a lot of alternative melody lines. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like there, there was a lot of points in the record where I'm like, hey, I'm listening to the to the song and I'm feeling like it's going to go to one note and to another note in succession, which is mm-hmm. just a problem that plagues musicians for the rest of their life once they understand that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, she would go to something else. She would go up to the, the higher harmony instead. And it, it worked extremely well for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I will. I did also note the piano in the back of the third chorus was a solid addition. Oh, definitely. I, I had caught it after I had listened to this song back to back a couple of times, just as I was kind of trying to dig into it a little bit deeper. And all of a sudden, it was just, it was almost as if a, as at a snap, is that piano kicks in, and I kind of I kind of remember looking around. I'm like, that's new. That's fun. I like that. Definitely. Yeah, th- th- this song's definitely, like, ranking the album, it would definitely be in my top three songs, for sure. Yeah, I could, def- I could see that. 
what's not in my top three songs is the album's lead single, Wasted On You. This is the first song that they released to to showcase the album. Okay. Uh, the fact that this song isn't like considered one of the top rated songs uh, in on Spotify, like as you're looking at the album or on mm. Apple Music, and this being the lead single on the album, is not good. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. One. So the thing that I was really happy about, and I I was I was trying to kind of explain to to kind of better explain the song. So what I like what they did is they took the chorus and they completely stripped it and it was just Amy by itself. And this is another one of those times where it showcases Amy's ability to do what she does and do it well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was like it was a very light piano. And then it comes into this almost dark electric pop kind of beat um, during that verse. And I kind of enjoyed it a lot. And it's. It's definitely, I wouldn't say it's my favorite song on the record, but I found it enjoyable enough that I wasn't going to skip it. I am in the opposite corner where I really didn't like the song. I'd skip it every time if I weren't listening to it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it just felt out of place on the record for me. Like it, Everything else on the record is that very straightforward, four on the floor kind of beat. Mm-hmm. This was that had that, like, that swingy six, eight feel to it. Uh, time signature and just didn't like it, it it almost felt like it would like be a country song if it weren't amy lee singing it uh it, it, like right off the bat like that was the vibe that i first got from it and then like the rest of the song kicked in and obviously that wasn't the case but it just it never really got there for me and like i said earlier like with this being the lead single on the album like that just it, it didn't sit right What's not sitting right is that country comment. <laughs> I, I've been sitting here looking like I've just had the entire life sucked out of me. And I, I, I don't can't know confirm how to this. Feel. I was watching him do it. <laughs> I don't know how to feel. So, 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 so I can try to distract myself from that. Let's go to Better Without You. We got a little heavy, and I'm for it. This was my favorite song on the album. Okay. It, it, like, if I, like, as I mentioned before, this is really not my favorite album here, but... If I had to pick a favorite song, it was this one. Okay. Um, the the intro winding like music box sound into that groove that it started with mm-hmm. was super cool. I really liked that yeah. a lot because like it was like that almost like it was gonna be super spooky and then like that do do ding do do ding do do ding and just like creating that yeah. rhythm to it like that felt really cool and then that was just kind of like underlying and the the mixing job that was done by the producers did it was done really well like it was just the perfect amount where it was still prevalent mm-hmm. but it wasn't just taking over and becoming boring and repetitive. I like how they they did bring a lot of the kind of spooky vibes throughout the record is, and it was sprinkled throughout. So yeah, it, it, it never was still felt like same. just a rock record, but it almost felt like there was a little bit of a spooky aura to it. Yeah. There was still that same Gothic feel that we had back when uh, mm-hmm. they released uh, their 2003 and 2006 albums. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, I think this felt the most classic Evanescence, at least up to this point. Um, and it had this contrast, this heavy but not super fast instrumental, contrasting with Amy's almost operatic vocal style throughout the song. Um, I think was really what kind of helped push this song to be as good as it was. Um, I might have actually seen this may have been a single, or at least may have gotten a music video. I could be confusing it with a different song. Um, and she she still shows. 
that she is capable of doing the heavier vocal style that we are kind of accustomed to with Bring Me to Life, um, which I think is also another thing. I may have to put it also as my favorite, um, if not my favorite, up in the probably top three for the record. Yeah, and the thing with this uh, this particular song as well is this is another one of those songs that was written 10 years before. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- this one actually was cut from that record because the label didn't want it on there, the, the label that they were with at the time. Interesting, okay. Um, and, and because it's outlining... She confirmed, like just via an Instagram post, that this song is outlining her struggles in the music industry. Um, so I can imagine that some of those struggles had to do with that music label because music labels, while they do help sometimes artists, they're usually more of a parasitic thing to yeah. an artist than an actual like beneficiary. Um, so I would assume that that's probably why it didn't make that cut. And that makes. I'm sense. assuming they're probably on another record label and or independent right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was one of those things where it was it's that darker uh, kind of vibe to it which we would normally have expected to see back mm-hmm. and, and bring me to life and, and, and the subsequent songs that were around that era. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of the same thing where it's just that darker, heavier stuff that was just brought back in 11 years later now. Yeah, no, and I'm we can all kind for of see. it. Um, then it leads into Use My Voice, which is the third single from 2020. How'd you feel about this one, Matt? This is a straight up anthem. This is something you're gonna see in a you're gonna see in an arena and they're gonna be trying to get everybody singing. It feels it it feels like an attempt by Evanescence to make a battle cry. Hey Matt. Hey Gabe. I'm gonna make you upset with my comments on this one. Oh no. So this song was written uh Amy Lee expressed this in an interview that she had never really gotten political before. Um, just because she didn't want to divide fans and didn't want to alienate them because mm-hmm. that obviously politics and things of that nature are going to be very divisive and alienating towards fans and just people in general. Um, this was kind of her first stance in doing that. And it was released in conjunction with uh, basically uh, not, not an advertisement, but with like a campaign to get people to register to vote, Interesting. Um, which I appreciate the concept. I don't appreciate the delivery. So, it's one of those things where it's because it was written and and used for a specific um, agenda, really, mm-hmm. that rubs me the wrong way. It's, it's the same thing with, like, Citizen Soldier by Three Doors Down. Okay. Um, and then there's a, a variety of punk bands that kind of would do it for, like, different presidential campaigns that they were use, using and stuff like that. Well, and or uh, just the opposite in which they would use it against it. Like, there's... I, I have an issue with just trying to... Uh, creating things for a political nature yeah now like uh, if we take a band like anti-flag for example like they are very obviously a- against right-wing agendas same thing with like rage against the machine and stuff like mm-hmm. that um they are writing their songs based off of the feelings that they get from the politics but they're not writing it for the politics necessarily yeah. and that that's the distinction that i'm trying to make here is that this was written for a political agenda and that's the issue that i have with it and then from there it just like you said it's meant to be an anthem and with that anthem having to do with a political movement 
that's where it begins rubbing me the wrong way. Okay. Yeah, and I, I definitely um, felt like it had some uh, connection to the polit- like cur- kind of current events. Um, and I was really getting that vibe even in the first maybe one or two listens, listening through of the record. Um, and the way that she actually sings the Don't You Speak For Me, just how it's that don't you and it, it she like don't you speak and it, How'd it's, they go uh, i'm not i i start <laughs> i started and i was like i'm just gonna stop right there <laughs> so you hear and it's like the the don't you speak is you feel it's uh, you can almost hear her tone just shoot up and then just really cool off but it also has this sort of bite through through the for me, so it it, it feels like there's that just little little bit of stank to it, where mm-hmm. it's like okay, like and it's kind of her trying to really convey that message. I do have to kind of agree with you, especially with the pushing of a specific agenda. Is I can't say that I'm for. Um, I definitely you know if you kind of explain that your um, you know you kind of provide a little bit of insight into what your political views are without stating your political views and just kind of call out like this is just outright wrong i respect it but especially trying to push a specific agenda i'm gonna definitely have to agree with you and say like it's it's just a no for me yeah and and i would do want to clarify that everybody should go out and register to vote um that like aside, do your research exactly. Like, do the research. Do, do what you're supposed to do. Do your do your part as you're supposed to. What I'm getting at here is just the actual like using using the agenda to push the music kind of thing instead of using the music to push the agenda. And mm-hmm. th- th- this kind of worked in conjunction both ways here. And that th- that's my issue with it, not the actual message of it, just yeah. the the use of it. Um, and then uh. I'm going to see if you know this. Do you know who was featured in this song? I don't think I do. Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm was. She really? was she was in the background. Like that that felt kind of like a weird feature to me is she was as far as I can tell I think she was just in the woes like in the background there. She never like actually had a prominent part where she sang. I don't even think I could cuz I I'm I'm actually trying to hear hear that in in my head and I I don't think I could yeah. <laughs> point her, I, I don't think I could point her out even if I tried. Yeah, exactly. Like that that was my best guess. That, mm. and I just the only reason I know that is because Amy mentioned it in her interview with Kerrang. That's interesting. Yeah. Um so that that was kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh so moving on here we're going to uh take cover. Uh how did you feel about this one, Matt? So this is kind of a bop. Um, I quite enjoyed it, although the chorus does get a little cheesy, and I'll kind of read a couple of the lines. So the first chorus is, you better take cover because I'm on my way now. I'm coming back to take your world down. Like, the the way she delivers the, I'm coming back to take your world down. And it's like, it you kind of go and it, she kind of pulls it up. It, it almost seems like she's got a little bit of sass to it. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm coming to take your world down. And it's like, <laughs> it's like I get it, but it's, it, it feels like for a line that sounds like it's supposed to be very aggressive. And then you go into chorus two, you underestimated my wrath. And it's that underestimated my wrath. And it's like, <laughs> there's so much sass. I can't take it serious. I love how she's trying to provide this like stank on it, but it, it, it just it comes off too sassy and uh, it comes off too much as a joke. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really the hardest thing for me for it. 
Um, I do love the groove behind it. The bridge got really heavy. The bridge did, yeah. Like that 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 was like a really high moment in the record for me. Was just that like twelve seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, like like you said, the, the the song itself, like overall, like it was a, it, it was like a groovy song to kind mm-hmm. of just jam along with. The 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 chorus, like the cover. Yeah, yeah, like that that, that just if like you it had, can. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's yeah. the way it was delivered. Like I love how. It kind of it kind of takes this full approach, and you definitely hear where Amy starts to really kind of open up where she hasn't fully done on this record, and it's awesome. And it's like cool, like it's gonna get crazy. You underestimated my wrath, and I'm like, no, <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, and so like that's just kind of where I was. The the groove goes along really well with the soaring vocals, and it's just. It, the, this song was definitely a high point on the record for mm-hmm. me um, between this one and uh, uh, better without you. Like those are like kind of the, the, the two big songs on the record yeah. for me personally. I think that, I think this one may end up, even though I've got my sort of gripes with the lyrics is this may end up taking the, the cake for my top one because of how much it really kind of made itself present. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's just all the way through is pretty, it was enjoyable. Just, if I could scrub my brain of the the lyrics and my knowledge of what she's saying, might make it just a little bit <laughs> easier. <laughs> yeah. Um. So next up, we have "Far from Heaven." Um. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say. And and I'll the really the first thing I'll say before I kind of dig into it and let you go in. I really enjoyed this one. Yes. Same. Okay. Absolutely. So it, okay. So we. Okay. So we are on the same page. So the the, the song is the, it, in the same interview with Karen that I keep referring to. Um, Amy talked about how this song was really about her faith and the the struggles that she's had with it over the years. Um, I one hundred percent agree with the placement on this song. Like in the in the record itself, um, placement was solid. The musical arrangement was really good. Just like with the the low piano kind of coming in first mm-hmm. with just Amy. Bringing in the the electronic drum pad, the synth strings, and just it really dynamic. It's a very slow song dynamically, but it just flows well. It, it, it's almost like a modern re. It was almost like a modern redoing of My Immortal. Almost, yeah. And, and like so, I, like I said, I really do like this song. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is another one of the high points on the record. Yeah. So b- between uh, Take Cover and uh, and this song, like this is like really the top of the record. Okay. Um, and if Use My Voice wasn't there, then we would also be including Better Without You there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I definitely appreciate the, the, cho- the musical choices that they made. And then the, again, this is kind of going into the melodic lines that Amy Lee chose were just on the money. Like obviously they weren't standard, but she was taking it in such a way that it kept it interesting throughout the record. Mm -hmm. And so like this again is is one of those instances where this is really the Amy Lee project. Yeah. But this is where it was done right. Mm-hmm. where it was just Amy Lee. There really isn't much of the band behind it. Most of that was just going to be uh, just a, a producer creating that. 
uh, and, and whatever recording software that right. they were using and programming it in that. But this, like, like, like I said, it, it's just a good song. I, I really enjoy it both lyrically, musically, um, just all around. Like this was a good song. Yeah. And as you, as you look at the lyrics of this one is it, it was a very heart wrenching song. Is it, there was a lot of it that, the the and this kind of goes back to the ties of where pain seems to be a very common theme here is it comes off as almost a and especially in a couple of the lines is it sounds like somebody very close had recently passed and it's just kind of coping with that loss i actually um, do believe that she did mention that in her interview yeah as well. and, and so and you get it, it that really took the forefront and especially with having that, you know, my immortal kind of feel where it's just that piano and Amy and then with a little bit of the the electric drums in there and all of it put together is it was just a very heart wrenching um, and it, it felt like a very sad song. And, you know, when we hear sad songs is like this is how they should be done, like they should really be able to convey that kind of feel as opposed to just the lyrics kind of expressing it and then the instrumentals are just kind of like hey we're kind of making it sound sad mm -hmm. like everything just organically and it just it, it's cohesive yeah. everything comes together really well it portrays the message and it, it you can tell pretty quick what you're looking at yeah absolutely uh then from there it moves into part of me uh this song really just kind of was a drag for me how about you I did not expect such a big swing coming into this because it goes from this very like sad, very heart wrenching. And then all of a sudden it comes back in. I'm like, are we like that was kind of fast. I actually kind of really liked it, um, even though it was such a huge contrast from the last song. Lyrically, my biggest issue that with this one is it's a little bit too much of the. I've been to hell and back and the I love the pain, I embrace it kind of trope mm -hmm. that a lot of bands and artists have kind of used. It just that felt just overused and that was kind of what killed the song for me. Um other than that, it was a fairly enjoyable listen. Yeah, for me this one, like I just I've never really got past the song itself. The the dynamics of it just stayed consistent really almost the whole way. There wasn't a mm -hmm. lot of deviation from that. Um, and that just made for a very boring listen uh, mm -hmm. onto it, which, I mean, it, it's kind of just in conjunction with the rest of the record for me, really. Um, it just, it never went anywhere. I didn't really see any redeeming qualities out of this song. Okay. That's, I can agree with that. Um, and, you know, it, especially looking here at my notes, as I really didn't make any sort of notes in regards to, like, it changed. And it, it does really just kind of keep, keep steady yeah. and in some ways is that's fine but i feel like there has to be just enough where it kind of keeps you wanting to come back um while i enjoyed this song is this is definitely not one that i would go and just be like oh i'm gonna go listen to part of me by evanescence like i'm just not gonna willingly go out if i'm gonna go and be like i'm gonna listen to a new evanescence song artifact the turn take cover far from heaven um, better without you maybe wasted on you are probably the five I'd go with. Um, and part of me just, it wasn't, I didn't like it enough to go and be like, I am going to willingly just pick that one out and just go mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. Um, the last song on the record, blind belief. 
this is very much a closer song. Absolutely, it is, and it is lyrically, it is not subtle whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. And I, I've made a, a couple of line. I made a list of a couple of the lines. The first one that really screams out what it's trying to say is the future starts with us. Mm-hmm. There's nothing subtle there. Um, the next one is love begins with trust, but we can't be trusted. Um, and just taking that at face value is, you know, it, it's the idea that love prevails over all and love is also built off of trust. Like, you, and especially, you know, as speaking to somebody who is married, you know, talking about you. Big facts. <laughs> I mean, like there has to be the trust in the relationship. You have to know that your partner is going to be trustworthy and that they're not just going to sit there and do something behind your back. But it's also stating that we as human beings, we just cannot be trusted because we're we've lost of, love. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like she she repeated over and over in her interview with Kerrang that um, that this song, this final chapter in, in the album is really just a song to humanity that we need to focus on love first mm-hmm. and then deal with the rest later. Yeah. Um, because without love, then we can't properly make the make the decisions that we need to and, and not just a romantic love, but just like a genuine like compassion and and hardship for uh, our, our fellow human beings. Even like a sympathy and empathy. Exactly. We, we've let so much evil in. And at this point, like we have to embrace love so we can then begin to fix it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately without, we, we have to have the will to fix it. And we have to have the love to do it. And without both of those in conjunction, we're just going to continue to let evil seep into what we're seeing nowadays. I mean, we have, all sorts of issues that are going on. And this is just kind of uh, her final cry in that. And just, uh, we have this blind belief that we're going to allow things to get better by just letting mm-hmm. them get better yeah. instead of actually doing something about it. Yeah. And, and so, the, the other line that I made a note of um, is, are you afraid to see that our fathers were wrong? Yes. And it, it goes and it's again, kind of looking at it just simply at face value is, are you like, we have to be willing to admit that the generations that came before us, they weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's by no means any person is. But we also have to be willing to, you know, yes, we may have to bring down things that prior generations built. But in order for things to get better, sometimes you have to be out with the old, in with the new. Um, and it just at face value, is that's what I interpreted. And considering just a lot of the things that have happened recently, is you know that it it stands it stands and has a very clear message that does seem to apply with where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this definitely kind of just parallels with the whole Architects album that we did a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. where the it's up to us to fix it. Um, the difference being that this is a lot more of like a, a message of, Hey, we need to do this, but we can do this a so much more uplifting of hope. Mm-hmm. Whereas the architects album was really more of just a, Hey, we better fix this or we're all dead. Like there's no other option. Yeah. Um, and so- it's, yeah. The architects one is that, that definitely painted where this one is a little bit more um, like, it, it's almost like kind of not, not being just a pat on the back, like, Hey, we need to fix it. But it, it's kind of a very soft kind of like, hey, we got some things to fix. Architects is they're pretty much like in your face, grab you by your collar, pull you in. And they're, you know, like you can feel the spit coming out of their mouth because they're yelling at you. You need to fix it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost a very contrasting idea. But 
you know, it very much is a similar kind of story that is being told between the two. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, that does wrap up the track by track for uh, The Bitter Truth by Evanescence. Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at? This is where uh, this is where the brawl might start. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it will. So, where while this seem while there's a lot of things where the band seems to have kind of played it safe, um, the record be- was really enjoyable in my opinion. Um, even if I go back to listening to this record specifically just as something to listen to while I'm working. I'm probably not going to be focused on the instrumentals. I will probably likely be just focused on Amy because like if I'm working, I kind of have other things to be focused on. I'm going to have to give us like a six, six and a half out of eight. I, I just really enjoyed listening to this record while, and even the songs that were a little not great. Um, I still find it to be enjoyable enough that I could even just play it in the background and just have as something to listen to. Even if I'm working, if I'm just like playing video games and I just want to listen to some music is I can just throw this on and just call it a day. Um, what do you got chief? So I had a hard time making this decision on this one because okay. my, my initial thought was to give it a two. Okay. And the reason being is the fact that I will probably never revisit this album. It has no real redeeming quality for me, just both as a, a casual listener and then just a, as a as somebody who reviews and and, cr- and critiques this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue with that is I gave the A Day to Remember album a three out of ten or a three out of eight, excuse me, <laughs> and I I couldn't justify putting this below that record because okay. that was. There was so much of that record that was audibly bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this one here, this was just mediocre for mediocrity's sake. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up going, um, giving this a four out of eight tentacles. Uh-huh. Uh, it just, again, it's not going to be something that I revisit, but that's not really something that a lot of that doesn't have to necessarily do with the the musicianship and it doesn't have to do with the songmanship or anything like that it's just really a lot of more of my personal preference Mm -hmm. and so trying to set my personal preference aside i would say that it is a mediocre album for sure um and i I would say that a four out of eight would be a a fairly reasonable rating that i would be able to give it it's a little bit higher than i was expecting uh just based (laughs) on some of what you had said but i can kind of understand why um you you didn't allow it to go that low especially with the rating you had given the a day to remember record um, but yeah, that's it for the, uh, Evanescence, the bitter truth record, just kind of given our breakdown of the, um, track by track and all of that. And we're going to go into the hidden track where maybe not particularly related to this record, but something music related that we wanted to talk to, uh, or talk about Gabe, what do you got? Um, so I heard the new single for a band called Autumn Kings. Uh, the song is called Tension and it was a, just, it's just a very, they're, they're kind of one of those bands that they don't fit into like a specific genre outside of just like alternative rock. Okay. Um, but it was a, just a very catchy song. Um, I've been getting into them quite a bit more lately and I would definitely like to review an album. Should they put one out here, uh, upcoming soon? Um, I definitely would like to do one here on the podcast, but, uh, their song tension was released and it, it was a, just a very groovy kind of song, kind of one of those, it's got like a somber feel to it, but it's still a very upbeat song. Okay. Um, and it just kind of shows them progressing as a band um, from their previous stuff that I've heard. It shows them actually moving forward as a band. They're 
taking on additional influences and moving forward with that while still maintaining like the same sound and same roots that they had previously on other records. Okay. And so I, I and you all know I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually interesting. What about you, Matt? So Crabcore Kids, you may not be too jazzed about Ooh, this. Oh god. So you may be familiar with the uh band Attack Attack. I am. Um so they're making a comeback. And they've released a couple of teasers. I believe they've released a full song. Yeah, they well, released a full song, I want to say late last year, so late that 2020. sounds about right. Well, they just released another one. And it's Kawaii Cowboy something. That sounds right, unfortunately. <laughs> Gabe, <laughs> I, I'm still trying to process what I heard. It's basic. What ended up happening is, and I don't know if the band was trying to just do it for shock value, but it's a combination of J-pop with country. So, um, and then some metalcore riffs. With a little bit of metalcore, yeah. yeah. So, unfortunately, so, and it's really weird. It's only like 45 seconds, and it just feels like a bunch of noises together. And because it's a, or attack, attack with their lineup at the as of the last record with a different vocalist that isn't Caleb Shomo I'm I do not have faith in I do I'm, not have, I'm very concerned for it um I, this mm-hmm. this obviously was like a joke track that they had done yeah but I I mean it's actually sitting as a single available on on Spotify and Apple Music right now so I'm like okay how much of a joke can it possibly be because this is a real thing that they recorded and like wasn't just something that was and let me like they 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 recorded and they released it on 420 which i feel like just kind of added to the the joke factor behind it but still it's one of those things where like they're just i'm concerned (laughs) it's okay so i i I just looked it up so i was close it's just straight up called kawaii cowboys and i just it's it's weird because it has um and I'm trying to remember the Primus song and it sounds a lot like a very band kind of country <laughs> banjo. I know I and know what you're talking that, about. And it's just a J, just J-pop vocals and kind of like a uh, a little bit of J-pop vocals but also like a little bit of the, the kind synth- of synthetic yeah. the synthetic sound and it just slapped together and then you get this little metalcore riff. I'm concerned as am I. So uh, you guys can definitely be sure that we'll be uh, discussing that once that comes out here. I'm, I'm not sure if they've uh, made an official announcement on when the new album is going to come out. I'm they not sure just either. have confirmed that there is going to be a new album mm-hmm. coming out uh, with the uh, the modified lineup. Um, but yeah, so we'll discuss that when that comes. But in the meantime, if you guys could like us, rate us, and uh, leave comments with us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, Podbean, anywhere that you listen to us uh, on your uh, preferred podcasting source we would really appreciate that it helps us out here and helps us keep doing what we do uh in the meantime uh we'll be discussing next week the pretty reckless's new album uh and so be sure to stay tuned for that as we kind of uh, discuss our hot dicks and maybe just totally butcher another song i don't know we'll see what we can do Uh, in the meantime wake me up wake me up inside (laughs) all right guys we'll see you later catch you later guys (laughs) 